Lethbridge East constituency in the provincial election. It's uh, wonderful to see a good turnout. Uh, we apologize that uh, this is the venue we have and uh, so we, we can accommodate this many. At the library last night we, we were overflowing and people were sitting out in the hall and we actually had to turn people away and the fire marshal gets very nervous. I, the fire marshal might even be nervous tonight, I'm not sure. <laughs> But in any event, welcome to all of you, and uh, welcome to our candidates. We appreciate them being here tonight, and that they are participating, uh, putting themselves out there uh, on behalf of their party. Yes, give them a clap. <laughs> so the uh, evening will now proceed. It's fairly straightforward. I know lots of you have been to these before, but I'm just going to give you a brief reminder of the rules. Uh, first of all, turn off your cell phones. Um, I reminded them last night, uh, electronic devices, and I did say that heart uh, pacemakers are exempt, but otherwise <laughs> you can uh, turn everything off. And so also this is being recorded and it will be on the uh, SACPAW website in a day or two afterwards. So if you want to get more details and go review that question that you heard or anything, it will be on the website. Um, so with that, I also want to introduce uh, the uh, uh, chair of the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. That's Knute Peterson. And he tonight... He has probably the most important job. He's got to keep the time, and so he uh, he runs a pretty tight ship, and uh, I I take my signals from him, and then that's how we uh, try to keep things flowing so that we can follow a schedule, and we uh, hope to be out of here by 9:30 because that's when the lights go out. Anyway, uh, so with that, uh, what we're going to do right now is that uh, each candidate will be given a, a, a give an introductory statement for two minutes. Uh, then they, uh, they will draw some uh, numbers for questions that we have prepared ahead of time uh, to hear their response on a variety of issues that are of interest to Albertans and to uh, us here in the Lethbridge East constituency. Uh, following that, we'll have a candidate's debate where I will give them topics and uh, whoever wants to start off will, will start and then other candidates can uh, uh, interject and give their opinion and so on and so forth. So uh, in the Herald last night it said there were fireworks. There weren't really fireworks. It was just good, honest, tough conversations that we were having. There were some sparks flying. No, there were not. There weren't sparks. They were just good, good debate. And that's what we want to have. And after that we'll have a short break. And then uh, we have uh, a time for questions from the floor. And I'll review the, the protocol for that when we start. So let's begin. And we go uh, in simply uh, in alphabetical order. That's the way uh, we start off. So we'll start with Maria from the uh, NDP. OK, do I need to pick up the mic? Yes. Yeah. OK, uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you to the Southern Alberta Council on political affairs, for your organization of the public affairs, sorry, uh, for organizing the forum. Uh, thank you to each of you 
for being interested in making positive change for Lethbridge and Alberta by participating in this democratic process. I am Maria Fitzpatrick, your NDP candidate. I am a new Democrat because I believe that working Albertans should come first and that corporations should pay their fair share. Alberta's NDP priorities are my priorities. Senior care, health care, education, and jobs. We have a plan to ensure investments are made wisely to benefit all Albertans. I am tired of the cuts to public service, critical services that Albertans depend on, and cuts to budget that affect our most vulnerable communities. Successive PC governments have continued to do things in the same old way, and Prentice has shown he is no different than his predecessors. We have seen time and time again that doing things in the same way only results in the same boom and bust cycles. The NDP is proposing a new approach, doing things efficiently, effectively, with transparency and accountability to Albertans, not big corporations. The NDP is the only party that puts Alberta first. I hear the personal stories of the struggles Albertans are facing. I believe that we should be doing better to take care of seniors, young people, and those in need. Our platform is fully costed and economically sound. I look forward to what is no doubt going to be an interesting evening. Thank you. Okay. Tammy. Good evening, everyone. My name is Tammy Perlich. Is it just hot up here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do something a little different, ladies and gentlemen. I want to tell you a story about the last two weeks. That was about when the election was called. Two or three days after the election was called, I started knocking on people's doors. And you know what I heard over and over again? We need change. We need a new party to run this government. On and on and on. Same thing over and over. And I got really depressed. And you know, I thought about it a lot, and I pondered what had gone wrong and why there was, you know, this feeling for change and what had happened. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, I came back to where I was about five months ago when I decided to run for the PC nomination race. And the position I was there five months ago and the one I'm at now is the same. Alberta is the best province in the best country in the world to live. And the more I think about it, the prouder I get. We have the lowest personal taxes of any province in Canada, and we have next to no debt. We have $19 billion in savings. We have first-class post-secondary institutions all over our province, and right here in our own city we have one. Our roads aren't full of potholes. You can drive anywhere in this province in comfort. When it comes to education, our kids... What? It's true. Have you driven in Saskatchewan? <laughs> when it comes to education, our kids are at the top of international testing. And yes, we have challenges in healthcare, but we don't strive for mediocrity, we strive for excellence. 
So this political process, ladies and gentlemen, is run by humans. The government is run by humans. And I don't know a human that is flawless. So there will always be flaws. But when I look back, I am proud at what our province has accomplished. And from now on, I'm looking forward. Join me. Thank you. OK, Kent. Potholes, good. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to see so many people out tonight. And wow, I'm, I'm impressed to see how many people are engaged in the, in the process here tonight. I'd like to thank SACPAW for holding this important event. My name is Kent Prestige, and it would be an honor for me to be the next MLA for Lethbridge East. Throughout the last few months, I've had the opportunity to meet with several thousand residents living in this riding. And the common message I've been hearing from both conservative and progressive voters alike is we absolutely need a change of government. After 44 years in power, a culture of corruption has tarnished Alberta's reputation and insulted our democratic traditions. Our trust in this government has been broken. It really is time for a new government. And the Wild Rose is ready to be your conservative agent of change. As your Wild Rose MLA, I would, work on, on, <clears throat> I would work to implement the five priorities we have laid out in our platform. Patient-centered health care and seniors care, world-class education, democracy and accountability, standing up for rural Alberta, and most importantly, low taxes and balanced budgets. This election is about choosing the party that will best represent Alberta's interests and has a vision for a strong and vibrant economy. It's time for a change in government. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Bill. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Thank you all for attending this important event. My name is Bill West. I grew up on a fam in a family that demanded strong morals, ethics, and common sense, which I believe are some of the many characteristics I have. I also believe these strong values drove me to the career that I currently have as a peace officer with the government of Alberta and where I've been employed for almost 14 years and ultimately my decision to run as MLA, for MLA. I'm married to my lovely wife, Jill, who is here tonight along with our 16-month-old son, Rylan. You've probably all seen in the news the current problems facing Albertans and the mismanagement and abuse of taxpayer funds by the current government. These problems range from a shortage of long-term care beds, emergency rooms no longer able to ensure the safe care of patients, ambulances on code red, and can cancer buildings on hold for over a decade. We also have post-secondary funding cuts and market modifier tuition rate increases to the tune of 300% in, in the last five years in Alberta, making Alberta the most expensive problem in province in which to attend university and college right down to financial handouts to PC friends and large corporations. We not only need to address these issues, but we need to change the current path. I compare Alberta to a $40 billion corporation. It should not be in deficit and most definitely should not be in debt. Investments should be made in frontline workers, proper buildings and resources to provide for those frontline services. It should not be spending money on managers man managing managers, nor should it spend money on sole source contracts to buddies of the government. Legislators must make decisions at the best interests of Albertans and their constituents. Tax fairness and inequalities in society must be a priority. 
They must stop diverting dollars to corporate welfare, and rather they should spend on things that are important to Albertans. Decisions need to be evidence-based and not on political interest. Our medical system should be based on a medical need, not our ability to pay. Services need to keep up with growth, and Statistics Canada predicts that Alberta will have a population of 5 million by 2035 and 8 million by 2050. Okay, thank you. Okay, now we begin the uh, question portion of the uh, meeting, and uh, Knud will have them draw the numbers. So you draw your number and tell me what number you have, and I'll read you the question. Number four. Hundreds of drilling, drilling projects are planned for southern Alberta in the near future using hydro, hydraulic fracturing, better known as fracking. Other jurisdictions in Canada and around the world have said no to fracking, a process that, per well drilled, requires the injection of millions of liters of clean water mixed with toxic chemicals which later needs to be disposed of with the potential that some leaching may occur into aquifers and waterways. Much of the planned fracking may take place in close proximity and possibly within city limits to water supplies affecting nearly all of southern Alberta, including the city of Lethbridge and surrounding irrigation districts. Where do you your, and your party stand on the dangers associated with fracking and should municipalities, towns and cities have some say regarding where the Alberta Energy Regulator can issue drilling permits. Thank you for the question, and it's pretty straightforward for the NDP and for me. The NDP position is no drilling in urban areas. The Alberta Energy Regulator overrides any municipality, and we believe that this is wrong and should be changed. The PCs promised an urban drilling policy since 2012, and we still have nothing. Last year, I was out for every demonstration. I went to every forum about urban drilling. And I have to say that it scared the daylights out of me. I sat here, in, right here in this room, as Golden Key gave its presentation, and they were asked, what chemicals they were going to use to pump down those drill sites. He said one chemical, and that was benzene. If you know what benzene is, then you know it's poison. And they wanted to drill and go under the Old Man River and put our water supply at risk. Enough is enough. The Alberta Energy Regulator did nothing. The government did nothing, but we protested. We sent letters, petitions, and anything else we could do to stop this. And Golden Key finally removed itself. We had no help from our government. I want to change that. Okay, next question. Okay, number three. 
Alberta subsidizes oil and gas companies to the tune of several billion dollars each year. These subsidies come in the form of royalty and tax breaks, loan guarantees, and paying for infrastructure that supports the industry. Renewable energy projects also receive some support, but could likely flourish given more consideration. Alberta collects what some will call colonial-style royalty rates for many of its resources. Since Peter Lougheed left office in 1986, royalty rates have dropped from approximately 35% to around 15%. Today, missing out on countless billions in revenue. Alberta is also very likely exporting many good jobs by shipping raw bitumen in pipelines to the US and Asia at a big discount. Refining it here in Alberta and supplying our domestic market first could arguably be a wise long-term investment. Where do you and your party stand on subsidies, royalties, renewables, pipelines, and refining of oil? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a reeling a bit up here because it has come to my attention that every candidate other than myself has the questions already. So uh, I'm at a significant disadvantage here, and I apologize for that, but uh, I don't know why that happened, but we shall carry on. So royalties, energy revenues. Uh, Premier Prentice has stated that now is not the time for us to be looking at an increase in energy royalty changes. And given what I am hearing on the doors and what is happening in our province right now, I can do nothing but agree. Uh, dropping oil prices are something that we have absolutely no control over, and it's leading to significant cuts by corporations for the jobs that are already here. Alberta has lost 50,000 jobs already in the first three months of this year. Personally, uh, just in one night, I ended up knocking on three doors of households where the major uh, wage earner was male and he had been laid off and they were all in the oil industry. So the last thing we need to be doing now is rocking the boat and causing even further problems there. Uh, with respect to upgrading and doing uh, more processing here, I'm in favor of that, but we do have an upgrader, pro uh, an upgrader being built and retrofitted to do more upgrading of diesel fuel in northern Alberta, and it's a huge hoopla up there because of how much it's costing. <laughs> Well, you know, if we want to do the upgrading here, then we need to either find some private industry who are willing to invest in it, or we need to find the resources to start doing some initiatives like that on our own. Uh, what have I missed here in this long question? I, in the long term, I believe that we need to look at reviewing royalties, but uh, right now is just not the time. Thank you. Rebuttals. All right, next question. Number six. Number six. Does Alberta have a revenue or a spending problem or both? What are the options in terms of protecting the most vulnerable and taxing the rich? Cuts across the board or selectivity and or implementing tax increases, including a sales tax and a health care premium. Where do you your and your party stand on deficits, spending and taxation? Please elaborate. 
Thank you very much. Oh, I love these type of questions. Um, first of all, uh, Alberta has a spending problem. Uh, absolutely, undoubtedly, uh, we are the highest spending province with only mediocre results in all of our fields. We have a spending problem in Alberta for the last decade. We are the only party that will not raise taxes on the backs of hardworking Albertans. We have a senior economist vetted plan that will return us to a balanced budget by 2017 while protecting frontline workers. The current government is phasing in tax and fee hikes, but once they are fully implemented, they will cost the average family $2,500 a year. The government has blamed their financial mismanagement on a lack of revenue. And now they want you to fix that problem and asking you to pay for it. This government has brought in the biggest tax increases Alberta has ever seen. It is the sad conclusion to a 10-year fiscal slide caused by bloated government and cronyism. Thank you. Okay, uh, Maria first and then Bill. Uh, I believe you said that uh, Alberta doesn't... Uh, I believe that uh, you said that we have a spending problem. Absolutely. And you may be right. We've been spending way too much money giving the big corporations tax breaks. We haven't been spending it on the services that Albertans need. And that should have been happening all these years. If it did happen, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. Oil royalties, all of it. 30, when um, uh, Lougheed brought in the uh, royalties, they were at 35%. Should never have gone. Another spending problem in that we weren't collecting what we should have been collecting for our oil resources. They've taken them, and they've taken them out of here, and we see nothing for it. Okay, thank you, Bill. The Alberta Liberals have tabled a plan that will elim eliminate wasteful spending and fix the broken revenue structure. The Alberta Liberal Fair Tax Plan will quickly return us to a balanced budget, and we will introduce a progressive personal income tax at 9.5% on the first 50000 10% on the next 50000 up to 15% on any amount over 250000 Those earnings below 50000 will see a 0.5% reduction in their income tax rate, and according to Statistics Canada, this income structure will generate approximately $11.3 billion in total revenue and an additional $875 million in additional revenue. We'll also adjust the corporate tax, uh, increase it by 2%, and then we will reduce the small business uh, tax, which will uh, cost about $503 million, leaving $302.2 million uh, in net revenue for the government. We'd also enhance the corporate tax collection, $885 million in uncollected revenue. Alberta Liberals will return the responsibility for corporate tax collection back to Canada Revenue Agency in order to address concerns raised by the Auditor General in October 2012. Thank you. Tammy? Uh, you know, I find it interesting when Maria talks about there being a problem with what corporations have been paying over the years and uh, then I look at the proposed NDP budget which proposes an increase of 1.1 billion dollars in increases in personal income taxes for the budget year 2015. 
Uh, as for whether we have a revenue or a spending problem right now, we obviously have a revenue problem. We've had a $7 billion decrease in oil revenues. Huge chunk of our budget. And uh, as for whether we have a spending problem, we've got that too. <laughs> so we have a lot of things here to fix, but uh, the PC party plan to deal with the spending problems is not to go in with an axe like a lumberjack and chop down the tree. It's to take a scalpel like a surgeon and do this carefully and make sure we protect the things that need to be protected. Things like our frontline workers uh, are protected, whereas we are looking more at the administration and what we should be cutting there. We're taking precise steps to deal with our spending problems. Thank you. Next question. I, I just uh, put out a rebuttal card as well. Thank you. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's interesting what we're talking about here because uh, right now in Alberta, we spend a uh, billion dollars a year on what we call corporate welfare, money that goes to predominantly multinational corporations that could well afford to do the things that they're trying to encourage them to do. The uh, PCs, as was already mentioned here tonight, have a huge boondoggle up in northern Alberta, $26 billion uh, that they spent of your money that uh, on an upgrader that is not going to, is just a total mess. And so I want you to know it is a spending problem, not, a, uh, not an income problem. All right, thank you. Next question. Number two, Alberta has arguably allowed the ramping up of oil sands and resource development faster than environmental concerns have been met, re its impact on air, land and water. A March 25, 2015 announcement has revealed that the air monitoring part of Alberta's Environment Monitoring Evaluation and Reporting Agency which was established after much fanfare in 2012 and funded by industry, has been disabled due to funding shortfalls. Critics have been questioning the independence of this agency and why the mandate appears to cover only the oil sands region. Water quality, volume, and allocations being controlled by the uh, um, evaluation agency provincially are another concern facing Albertans, especially in southern Alberta, where we have limited water supplies, yet water for fracking and clear-cutting of forests in our watersheds are allowed to be the norm. Where do you and your party stand on the scenario that air, land, and water is being monitored by an agency funded directly by industry? And are you comfortable uh, with the uh, Alberta Environmental Monitoring uh, Revenue Agent Reporting Agency? The current water allocation in Alberta is the same today as it was a century ago. First in time, first in right. The majority of our water licenses are owned by a small number of entities, major cities and irrigation districts especially. This is a system based on fixed volumes attached to licenses rather than that flex the reality of um, Alberta's variable water supply. A major concern is that water could too easily become a commodity and also available to whoever is willing to pay top dollar. This may also 
make Alberta an international target. The government has said a number of times that we are going to consult with Albertans on this issue, a commitment that has been re reiterated by the new Premier and no movement yet. Alberta Liberals will protect Alberta's drinking water by giving priority to basic human needs. We will not support a water market. Water is a human right, not a commodity, and an interbasin water transfers move the problem rather than solve it. The water allocation system in Alberta needs to be fixed rather than just moved around. The first in time, first in right, is an antiquated system that must be updated. Okay. All right. Next question. Seven. Number seven. The future of social services has many vulnerable Albertans concerned that their programs may be slashed or more and more services will be provided privately rather than by government or nonprofit organizations. Where do you and your party stand on privatization in the context of social services in Alberta? The NDP party and myself will end the PC's costly experiments in privatization and redirect the funds to publicly delivered uh, services. I'm going to give you an example. Um, let's say Company A decides that they are going to um, take over corrections and they'll be the jail. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of examples in the US where uh, private companies come in and they're going to take over, but they come in and they want a profit. So what happens? You get thousands and thousands of inmates that have to be fed, have to be clothed, and that company wants to make a profit. What do you think happens? You're the taxpayer. You're going to pay for it. Public services are not for profit. And everything that we do that's a public service should remain that way, not privatized, because you're going to pay through the teeth if you privatize it. Thank you. Thank you. Any rebuttals? No rebuttals? Next question. Number one. Number one. Building new schools and education facilities are obviously necessary in a growing Alberta economy, and many existing facilities also need expensive upgrading besides regular maintenance. How to find the billions of dollars for new infrastructure and upgrades will be for the next government besides managing education, funding at schools and post-secondary institutions without raising intuition and school, raising tuition and school fees to a level vulnerable Albertans can't afford. Where do you and your party stand on the funding of education and what about tuition fees and, uh, tuition fees and school fees? Okay, well this question seems to deal with education and post-secondary education. Uh, on the K to 12 part, 
there's a lot of misinformation going on about the 2015 budget on education. Firstly, uh, the proposed budget for 2015 to 2016 actually increases the education budget. It's increased by $125 million. That's a lot of money. School boards have to prepare their own budgets, but they are asked to cut what they are spending by 2.7%. But there's a reason for that, and that's because most of the school boards in this province are sitting on accumulated surpluses of over $450 million. So ladies and gentlemen, when we have a $7 billion shortfall in energy revenue, why should any group of boards be sitting on a pile of hundreds of millions of dollars? Now is the time that we can be using that money to fund children's education. The stipulation by the Minister of Education about the school board budgets is that frontline workers will be protected. And yesterday, on the front page of the Lethbridge Herald, we have a school board trustee saying that classroom assistants are going to be laid off because, and I quote, they're the easiest ones. That's what he said. Government officials have to make difficult decisions about cutting and funding, yet your elected school board officials should be no different. And here they are saying they're just going to take the easiest route. Now you might think I'm being harsh, but when I read these comments, I was totally disheartened because the person that made them was my uh, teacher at my high school. And at the Picture Butte High School, we never learned that taking the easiest route was the right one. So the role of our education system should be to ensure that our students attain the best education possible and not taking the easiest route when tough decisions need to be made. Okay, rebuttal, Maria. Uh, Tammy, I, uh, I'm disappointed that you said what you said because uh, anybody who has kids in school in Lethbridge uh, knows that our school boards don't have any money to spare. In fact, they do fundraising to pay for fees and supplies for the kids. So uh, I think you're misinformed as to, or your party is misinformed as to the money that's available, certainly here in Lethbridge. It's an issue and you can't take money out without reducing teachers and our kids need more teachers, more space, and that's not what they're getting with uh, the PC budget. Tammy? The Minister of Education has also said that for school boards that don't have any reserves, he will look at their situations on an individual basis. But the fact remains there's no reason that they should be looking at for cutting frontline workers because they're the easiest to take the hit. All right, no more rebuttals. Okay, next question. Number five. I don't know. I, I must have the luck of the draw here. These are all our policies. So. Okay. Uh, but just a minute. I'll read the question so the folks know what you're talking about. <laughs> Property owners are concerned with land bills that infringe on their rights by limiting or denying public hearings and access to the courts in dealing with surface right, rights access. The sale of AltaLink, electricity deregulation, delivery charges, and the building of power lines, which are now owned, some now owned by Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett, but paid for to the tune of billions of dollars by Alberta electricity users, 
concerns many people and businesses. Where do you and your party stand on land bills, electricity costs, and the sale of Elta Link? Thank you. Um, first and foremost, uh, the land bills. I think our, our party's policies on this are well, well known. Uh, we ran on this in the last election. We will uh, uh, repeal the land bills. We're going to uh, amend Bill 36 so that landowners can have access to the courts in order to get fair compensation for the use or expira uh, expropriation of their land. So uh, we've been clear on that all along. Uh, on to the uh, um, power lines. The cost of construction of lines should be covered by the company uh, owning the asset, not billed to the user and then sold as a profit to another company. It just offends me to no end that every month I see on my bill a line service fee and I'm paying for lines that the company turned around and sold to an American company. So I'm against that. Thank you. Okay. Rebuttal. All right, Bill. When it comes to the land bills and the power lines, uh, the Alberta Liberals would like an open independent assessment needs to be completed and we'd work with the people involved. Compensation needs to be fair and would be addressed through the independent assessment. The current government has shown a lack of regard for landowner rights by changing the legislation in order to allow for power lines and then change the legislation back. We know de deregulation hasn't worked and we should, we should have stayed uh, as part of the government. Alta Link was sold for cents on the dollar, and now we are in a position that would cost billions of dollars to reverse that deregulation. We just can't afford that. We now need a government to set rules and regulate the stability and supply and, and make it a competitive price in the market. We are now in a position also where the government has erode, eroded, and now we need to deal with what we can, and I believe that is what we need to do is regulate it. Thank you. Any others? Okay, next question. And this is the last question. Okay, number eight. Healthcare continues to be a hot button issue in Alberta, with the public asking why a $19 billion system doesn't function more efficiently or produce better results. Lengthy ER wait times are still the norm, despite promises to the contrary by Alberta Health Services. Seniors often face serious wait times for long-term care facilities and supportive living accommodations, many of which are privately owned and operated. Where do you and your party stand on Alberta Health Services' long-term care, uh, continuing care and privatization policies? The Alberta Liberals support public health care, not privatization of health care. Continuing care is underfunded, and it's the poor cousin in our health care system. If we don't adequately fund continuing care to provide home care, supported living, and long-term care, then we need to allocate our money where we're going to get the best value. And that seems to be, there seems to be a growth in home care right now and supported living, the more expensive side. And uh, the long-term care gets further neglected. We have deterioration of long care facilities, uh, many that are 40 to 50 years old, and now they're being renovated, not being renovated or repaired or replaced because the capital funding has been focused on supported living. We need a mixture of supportive, supportive living, home care, and long-term care so we have the right place for people to age and respond to their needs. Too much emphasis has been placed on the supported living side. Where are you going to get the level of care you need if you require long-term care and it's not there? 
The hospital is the only place. It's not somebody's home. It's not where you live. Studies have shown that people in long-term care are likely three times less likely to go to an emergency room and if they are in a, than if they are in a designated supported living. Um, that's appropriate for them. If people are in an appropriate setting, then appropriate care can be given and uh, that setting can keep them out of a hospital situation. We know that uh, anytime someone moves into a hospital, and especially if they are admitted to the hospital, they, their life expectancy can be shortened, and certainly their quality of life is affected. The government needs to recognize that continuing care is, is part of primary care. It's part of prevention. If you can provide supports to people at the early stages in their care needs, you can prevent people from going into emergency rooms and hospitals. You're actually going to avoid spending money if you do this. Healthcare is not a business. Healthcare is there to care for people and provide care for people. It needs to be run in a business-like way, but it cannot be wasting dollars. Rebuttal? Um, I just want to get our position on the table here, so I'm going to use up one of my rebate car uh, debate cards here. Um, the Wild Rose Party fully supports the Canada Health Accord. There will be no privatization of Alberta Health Services under the Wild Rose Plan. We will focus on providing frontline services to the most vulnerable. Wild Rose will create a patient-centered health care model as opposed to a centralized top-down current model. Our plan will save millions in extravagant Alberta Health Services executive pay, perks, severances, and bonuses. Alberta's centralized bureaucracy prevents patient care decisions from being made by the frontline workers actually treating the patients. Wild Rose will sit down with the doctors and nurses to make sure the current changes they want really happen. Our plan will implement a wait times guarantee, which will reduce surgical and specialist wait times by funding needed services for patients outside the provincial system in, if timely access to care is not available here. We, will supply, we simply will not allow patients to suffer in pain while waiting for a service that we can pay for in another province. We will fund out-of-province services at the same rate that uh, we pay for the services in the province. We will invest in long-term care facilities. Okay. Any other rebuttals on that question? Okay, that's the first round of questions. Now we're going to start the uh, next part, which is less formal. Uh, you can interrupt, even though your mother told you not to do that. Uh, it's okay in this uh, event. But we still want to be respectful, so that's the important thing here. So let's uh, get started with uh, asking a question. I just throw the question out, and whoever wants to go first, uh, just uh, raise their hand, and away you go. So this one relates to um, a very quick, uh, reflective question. Was this election necessary? Lots of people have said it wasn't. Oh, first, Kent, thank you very much for giving me your list of the questions oh. so I could read them. I really appreciated just, that. I, I can't believe that she was answering those questions without, without having them pre-given to her. Sorry. Okay. Uh, the election. I, I wasn't there. 
Okay, I wasn't at the table when the discussion happened, but I've talked to the Premier about this because one of the first things he did uh, about a week into the campaign was he phoned me and the first thing he said to me was, what are you hearing? And I said, everyone's mad at you because you called this election too early. So, you know, that's not something he can reverse now. He heard all of you on the issue of the charitable tax donation credits being decreased. And he heard you on that, and he changed that. But uh, once you call an election, you can't take that back. So uh, the one thing that he has said, and I, I will say for your benefit, and whether you agree with it or not, so be it. But uh, he says, you know, this is a new plan for Alberta. He's not looking back, he's looking forward. And that's why we have one, three, five, ten-year budget plans set out for Alberta. And at the five-year point, we're no longer spending 100% of our royalty revenues on operational costs like we are now. The plan in five years is to be spending 50% of our royalty revenues on operational costs. And that is a huge shift for Alberta. So is that what you want? Do you want to get off the energy roller coaster? Now's your time to vote and decide. The second portion of it, which personally to me doesn't seem to matter as much, but so be it, uh, with the coming of a new premier, we had a new shift in the PC party, and a lot of the old guys left. So there would have, by law, had to have been by-elections for all those guys within six months of the date of their resigning. That means that all those by-elections would have had to have been held before March of 2016, which is the earliest he could have called an election if you follow the four-year rule. And so therefore, we would have been out tens of millions of dollars for the by-elections also. Okay, I'd like Go to... Ahead, is, is the election necessary? I believe not. Uh, I grew up in a family that, uh, you know, you abide by the rules. Um, and as a peace officer, rules are meant to be followed. Uh, they shouldn't be broken. I think a deal should be a deal, and uh, we should have continued into March uh, of next year. Uh, the Premier could have had the opportunity to show us uh, exactly what um, he was going to lay out. And, uh, yeah, it should have been in the early part of next year. Okay. Um, I just was wondering if uh, the uh, budget of the premiers has been recalculated since you backtracked on the, that very mean-spirited uh, tax grab for uh, basically it would hurt charities. Charities do an awful lot of good in our society, and that saves the government a lot of money. I think that total idea of taxing uh, charitable tax returns uh, was mean-spirited and ill-conceived. Well, the reason that was done... <laughs> The reason that was done is because when the charitable tax donation was increased, sadly, not many Albertans took advantage of it anyway. And the only Albertans that it was really benefiting were those that make $5 million donations or $1 million donations, who I suggest may have been doing that more to gain that tax credit benefit than for truly altruistic reasons anyway. We didn't see the $200, $500, those types of donations go up after the tax credit was increased. Okay, Maria. I'm sorry, Tammy. Uh, first of all, um, I think that uh, the election shouldn't have happened right now. Uh, and the tax credit, it's easy to withdraw, say he's withdrawn it right now. But the reality is he had it in his budget. The budget was approved. We are stuck with it. And Tammy, actually, you don't know who gave uh, uh, use that tax credit. Uh, you make... You may think that it was the uh, multimillionaires, but there were lots of people, and the people who have 
charitable organizations depended on people making those uh, small donations. And yes, if they made those donations, they were asking for a tax credit, I know, because I did. Okay, Kent, then, then Tammy. And, and again, hello? Hello? Oh, there we are. Uh, and again, I just have to, I give a lot of money to charity, and I find it very offensive, and I assure you, I am not a millionaire. Okay, Tammy. Okay. Hi. Okay. <laughs> this isn't personal. I, I give lots of money to charity, too. I don't do it because of the tax credit. But the fact of the matter is, the small donations did not go up significantly when the tax donation credit amount increased. So there you have it. And Maria, the budget has not been passed. It is not finalized. The budget was presented in our legislature. Parliament was dissolved. So it is not passed. When we go back in, whichever one of the four of us is there, we'll be talking about it, and then it'll be passed in whatever form comes next. Okay, let's, let, okay last, last comment on this one. Okay, if the budget wasn't passed, how come the taxes went on gas that night? Cigarettes, alcohol. Go ahead. You said last, last one, but are you going to let me answer? Last comment. Uh, because in the budget, you can impose retroactive legislation. So the legislation not yet passed says, as of March 27th or whatever day the budget was, it will go up to this. So not passed, but this happens all the time with government because they have to start collecting it or people pre-buy. Okay. People pre-buy. All right. We're going to go on to another topic. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty straightforward question. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, you know, when it comes down, uh, you've heard uh, politicians in the past, uh, especially our American cousins to the south, they say, you know, in the bottom line, it's the economy. Stupid. You know that they make that comment all the time. Uh, so this question relates to the Alberta economy, and it simply is, I'd like to start hearing your comments about what this province should be doing around diversification, getting off the oil drug, et cetera, et cetera. So who wants to start this one off? Okay, go ahead. We live in southern Alberta. Did you notice the sun today? Did you notice the wind the past couple of days? Do you know about geothermal? Do you know about fission? There's all kinds of possibilities for energy in Alberta. And if we spent half the money we've spent subsidizing the oil companies, we could have any number of energy, um, clean energy um, options for ourselves. It's time for us to move forward and stay out of the dark ages. Tammy? Alberta is far from the dark ages. We're leading in lots of these areas. The largest wind farm in Western Canada opened near Carmen Gay last year. We have people looking at solar and wind. But what happens when they both quit? You have no power. You have to have a coal-fired plant running all the time or you won't be guaranteed that you can turn your lights all on all the time, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, the other thing that we're looking at for diversification, other than what we're already doing in those areas, is uh, we're looking at doing some uh, work with our post-secondary education so that they can copyright all the great ideas that we have coming out of our post-secondary institutions. U of A is a great example. Did you know they invented cold FX? U of A has made a lot of money off of that. And there's a lot of different places that we should be looking at doing different things for that. And we actually are looking at doing different things for that. Okay, let's just, next, go ahead, Bill. Uh, I think uh, currently right now the government has taken a step backwards. Um, we had tuition caps in place that seem to be going to be removed, and uh, a good start would be to fund our education uh, to help bring in some new technology and such to southern Alberta, or Alberta in general as well. As well. Uh, just on the whole issue of uh, oil and gas, um, oil and gas will remain a primary driver of our province's economic en energy en engine, and, and it will be a world's major transportation fuel in the coming decades. I'm all for moving towards wind power and solar power, but I think economic reality is that fuels are here for a long time in the future. Uh, we need to use them more efficiently and uh, make sure that we cut down on carbon as well. Okay. Uh, just um, all right. Go ahead. Uh, the NDP have put forward a um, a plan in their platform. Uh, it's called a job creators tax credit, and in fact, it rewards some entrepreneurship. It rewards uh, growing your business. And somebody I heard them talk about manufacturing. If you can go out and you can hire other people and grow your business, whether it's manufacturing or something else, then there's a tax credit that we've got on the books. Now, it's a temporary tax credit uh, for the creation of jobs to diversify our economy. This credit will cover 10% of the salary of newly created jobs to a maximum of $50,000. The funding will go to 27,000 jobs. We've lost a ton of jobs here in Alberta since uh, uh, the oil took a little dive. Let's do something else. Let's, let's grow here in Lethbridge. There's lots of companies here that could hire some more staff. You could do some different things, and we could move our economy forward. Tammy, did you have a comment? Uh, no, but I can I make I thought one. you did, sorry. <laughs> you, okay, see, well, I'll make this one. This is like an auction. If you scratch your nose, you bought it. So let's go. Even my brother-in-law, who is an auctioneer, doesn't make me buy stuff when I scratch my nose. Uh, okay, so the plan is 10% of salary to a max of $50,000. I haven't talked to a single business owner who is going to hire someone because they get a credit of up to $50,000. Business owners say that they'll hire someone when they need someone, period. Okay, Bill. Again, again, with the Alberta Liberals plan that we've tabled uh, with the tax elimination for small business, it's another opportunity for people to get involved, to, to try some new things, and uh, we, can, we can bring technology and uh, some better things to Alberta by um, taking advantage of that. All right, Maria. The, the tax credit isn't just about hiring somebody. It's about growing your business. It's about doing something else. It's about taking some initiative. And the government, the platform for the NDP, is about helping small business move forward. 
Now, if you, want, if you don't want to grow your business, I guess you're not going to hire anybody else. But we need to do something, and it's an opportunity to do just that. And certainly we could be doing some manufacturing jobs. We could be doing all kinds of things. Okay. So, are, so are those the same corporations that you want to raise taxes on? No. Small business. Small business. Okay, so let's, uh, let's move on to another topic. Good stuff. Okay. Education. We've already talked a little bit about education in our first round of questions. Um, where are you in terms of uh, this whole issue around, uh, if you talk to students, uh, it's getting harder and harder for uh, uh, post-secondary students to afford the tuition fees. Um, Universities are heavily reliant on tuition fees as part of their operating budget. What about that part? And also, what about school fees for, for uh, low-income parents, this kind of thing in the public school system, the, the uh, K-12 system? Uh, let's have a conversation about that. Awkward silence. <laughs> In consultation with post-secondary institutions in industry, we are uh, going to be working on um, dealing with the serious shortages of skilled workers in this province. We're going to okay. implement a student loan forgiveness program that will see up to 50% of a uh, graduate student loan forgiven for working in an identified area of labor shortage in the Alberta f uh, for a predetermined number of years. We want world-class post-secondary ed education, particularly in the trades and skilled training. Uh, we're going to limit all post-secondary tuition and fee increases. Uh, they cannot go up more than the rate of inflation. So there's just a couple of points on what we're doing on post-secondary education. Before anybody replies, uh, we've been told that uh, people can't see you at the back, and so they'd like you to stand when you give your responses. So if uh, that would uh, help. And also, it's been asked by several, how come Tammy didn't get the questions? And we're totally in the dark because uh, they were sent out to everybody, and so we have no idea what happened. What email? Where? Okay. I, I don't know that answer to that question, but anyway, they did go out to everyone that we were aware of. Okay, Maria. I hope everybody can see me now. Uh, the NDP will provide stable and predictable funding to school boards, colleges, universities, and technical institutes. That will support Alberta's growing population, the need for quality education in a modern economy, and we will reverse the reckless apprentice cuts to current funding. <laughs> University students, and I've heard from quite a number as I've been going door to door for the last 10 weeks, that uh, they can barely afford to buy groceries because they're spending so much in extra funding because uh, there's a uh, cap on their tuition. So the university still needs other funding. And in fact, I think it's up to about $2,000 a semester. We should not be expecting our students who are trying to move forward and do better for us to be paying that kind of money, or their families to be paying that kind of money. I know I couldn't possibly afford to be paying that kind of extra money to help my kids or my grandkids do that. 
we need to be investing in education. And if we want to move forward in our economy, we need educated uh, people in our uh, society here. Not just university, certainly technical uh, institutes. And if we're looking at diversifying our economy, that's a good place to be putting some money. Okay. But we've got to do something, and we can make that decision on May 5th. So okay. please consider who you're going to vote for. Okay, Nick, anybody? Rebuttal? Okay, Bill. Alberta's current uh, fiscal situation is grounded to the volatile of oil prices, but our future is also a knowledge-based economy too. An effectively funded public education system is the greatest investment society can make, and it also ensures strong, prosperous futures, future for all Albertans. Uh, we need to get the, the schools on the priority list built, and uh, we need to hire more teachers and reduce the class sizes and build this, our schools as community hubs. It's an investment for us. Okay. No more on that issue? All right. Fairly straightforward on that one. Okay. Uh, the fracking, we've had, a, we've had a discussion about that. But what about environment overall? Alberta internationally at this point, with the, with the oil sands and, and uh, that whole thing around the pipelines, has had a lot of bad publicity internationally around uh, that particular project. Uh, where do you folks stand on environmental issues generally uh, in Alberta? Tammy. Sorry, but I almost fell off the back of here earlier tonight, so I don't want to do that again. Uh, you know, Alberta runs on oil and gas, whether we like it or not. So we have to try to find a balance. And we are continually trying to do that. So right now, for example, uh, in certain places of the province, once the project is approved and we allow fracking, it's not just done with no monitoring. Uh, if there is fracking, the seismic activity caused by that fracking has to be uh, monitored. And if it's above 2.0, it has to be reported. And if it's above 4.0, the fracking is stopped. And uh, there's lots of people in Alberta, BC, and probably elsewhere in the world that are studying the long-term effects of fracking, and we need more science. And the other thing that Alberta is doing right now is uh, trying to do more environmental monitoring because we need to get some standards so that we can judge what's going on. Tailing ponds uh, concern me personally, and I know there's a lot of work going on at the U of A to deal with how we deal with these huge tailings ponds once they exist. But again, I just think it's all about finding balance. I know many of you are not happy with the current balance, but we still have a lot of work to do in that area. Okay. The Alberta NDP uh, will strengthen environmental standards uh, and we won't be using the AER to monitor them. Uh, Alberta's water, land and air all have to be protected. We will build standards based on independent science and international best practices designed transparently in careful consultation with Albertans. There is a concern when it comes to logging in the nearby uh, Castle uh, Wilderness area. That also causes a problem in terms of our water. Taking away that uh, watershed area 
uh, we, we have to be really concerned about that. But what I'll say is that we require water to maintain our lives, whether that's water to sustain our bodies or that's water to water our crops. We need the water. We can't drink oil. Okay. Bill? Well, under environmental leadership, uh, we know that the Enbridge and Keystone XL pipeline uh, debates have taught us that our pipelines uh, will not get built until we clean up our environmental reputation. The Alberta Liberals will put a price on actual carbon emissions and phase out coal-fired power plants by 2025. We'll also provide incentives for energy conservation and renewable energy. And we'll also ensure independent environmental uh, monitoring and stiffer penalties for those that uh, don't want to follow the law. We'll also phase out fresh water use for deep well injections and we'll protect the watershed as public good as well as our surface groundwater and endangered species and natural habitats. Okay. I think we have some of the best scientific minds and some of the best universities in the world, certainly in North America. And uh, I'm uh, leaning heavily on the scientists and their, and their research to solve some of the problems. Um, I don't think that carbon capture has been proven to be totally successful yet, but we will find a way to reduce the amount of carbon that's coming out of, our, out of the uh, oil sands. Uh, but we still need economic development in this country as well. And uh, on the clear-cut forest, um, I am absolutely dead set against clear-cut forest. Uh, I've been dealing with the Old Man uh, River Watershed uh, Council for a number of years. I've uh, been uh, going to their meetings. And um, even the fire that we had here a few years ago up, up there uh, changed the quality of our water. But I will also tell you, believe it or not, we have a lot more trees now than we had 100 years ago. And we need those trees to protect our, our uh, water supply for sure. Thank you. Okay. No more on that one? Pretty easy tonight. <laughs> okay. Uh, farming and forestry include landowner rights, including landowner rights. And the whole issue about, we, we talked again in the first round of questions a little bit about that, but there's a lot of concern around uh, uh, property rights uh, and access to the courts and so on when it comes to uh, oil companies and others having access to lands. Who'd like to start on that issue? What's the question, Bob? The question is, there's a lot of concern that, again, farmers, for example, don't have the rights that they used to have to get uh, at uh, when there's uh, questions around access to their land by, by companies and so on. Okay. Uh, well, when we're talking about la uh, lines that traverse more than just Alberta, whether they go into the states or they go into BC or Saskatchewan, uh, it's actually the federal government that sets the criteria and then decides whether or not that line goes. So the Mattel line, which was a huge issue here before, went down from Alberta into the states. And uh, that line was actually uh, approved, and then all the landowner hearings for that took place through the National Energy Board. And then by the time the province gets involved, 
The only issue is compensation on those lines. So that makes it very difficult for the Alberta government to deal with international or interprovincial lines. Um, on the issue of oil wells, for example, uh, we have an issue there, I think, where we've always had an issue. I remember my dad cursing at Lightman. I think that's the first time I ever heard my dad curse was on the farm when the oil guys were coming on his land. We've never, or the farm or farmers and landowners have never had the right to kick them off. They have to go to a hearing, and if the board decides that they should be there, then so be it. The interesting thing on that, though, is on the compensation side, uh, we now have land compensation hearings on those, and people are being awarded about $500 a wellhead. But we shift to this talk that we're having tonight about wind energy. And if you own land and there's a private wind developer, because none of that is re uh, regulated, if you will, by the government, a private wind farm developer will come to you and say, I'd like to put a turbine on your land. And you're looking at anywhere from six to $19,000 per year uh, for compensation for a wind turbine which isn't much different than a wellhead. So I think that's where a lot of the frustration is right now, $500 for a wellhead, $19,000 for a wind turbine. I guess we should be making the oil companies pay more for their wellheads, right? Okay, anyone else want to go on that? We're okay. Uh, the issue of royalties has been talked about a little bit. Uh, the fact that they have uh, been decreasing over the years, the and there's been all kinds of uh, discussion about this in this province of, of late. Um, for example, it said, you know, uh, we have the lowest rates in North America. Uh, these, these rumors go around all the time. We've lost billions in revenue. It's very hard to quantify a lot of this information. But overall, there is a perception that our royalty rates are much, much too low. Let's have a little conversation, a little bit more on that particular issue. Go. Well, I think uh, before we get there, uh, maybe we should uh, look at collecting uh, what we're supposed to be getting from royalties first. Um, yeah, uh, we, we need to get the money that's owed to us, uh, and we need to respect some of the, the contracts that are there. But I think the first thing that we should be doing is collecting the money that, that we're owed to us as Albertans. Uh, if you'll bear with me for a second, I'll tell you a, a little story about my son who was working in the oil patch uh, during the Stelmac years. Uh, when he tried to raise the oil royalties, we went from over 300 wells being drilled to about three. My son got laid off, and he now no longer works in the oil patch. Uh, having said that, I'm not against getting fair money for our, for our uh, royalties, but again, we're in the middle of a recession, a downturn in the oil patch, Increasing prices right now uh, for royalties would be irresponsible and would just destroy an industry that's so vital to us at this point. Okay. Uh, I sort of disagree with the Wild Rose on that. Um, <laughs> Norway um, has a similar oil industry that we have. And um, let's see, about 10 years after we began our heritage fund, uh, they uh, saw what we were doing and thought that they should do the same thing. And uh, their uh, royalty rates are at 70%. And in fact, I heard from somebody that they just raised them to 87%. And the oil people didn't leave. 
However, they have a trillion dollars in their heritage fund. Perhaps we're doing something wrong. Okay, Tammy. I talked about royalty rates in the question, so I won't get into that. But, you know, it's very dangerous for us to compare ourselves to Norway because Norway is a country and we're a province. Norway doesn't fund, you know, 80% of another landmass. We transferred out to the rest of Canada $19 billion last year, and we transfer out money every year because Alberta isn't just running Alberta, it's fueling Canada. And of course, transfer payments, I have to deal with that one. Uh, we are uh, committed to renegotiating the transfer payments with Ottawa. I'm sorry, but far too much of the money that should be staying here in this province to fund services here is going to other provinces. I have a heart, I love my country, but uh, we need a fairer deal for Alberta. Okay, Tammy. That's fine, but that's not a negotiation that's going to happen quickly. So, uh, you know, that's not going to solve... Well, it's not, you're not going to reach an agreement with 10 other territories and provinces in a year. Uh, it's just not going to happen. It's like changing the Constitution. So renegotiating transfer agreements is not going to solve our problems in the short term. Okay, Bill. I think something else that the government should be uh, contemplating and looking into is uh, we have a number of people that come and work in our province, but they also use our services. Are, are we getting uh, a portion of their revenue from taxes, or are we just footing all the bill? Um, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked, and I'm kind of curious as why they haven't been asked already. Okay. Just a little further on that point, um, you're taxed on where you live on December 31st, and we have a lot of workers that come in from other provinces, and then they go home to their home provinces to spend home at Christmas. They may have properties in that province. They're taxed in the provinces they live in. So, and the point is well taken that they are using our services, and yet the taxes are going to Newfoundland, Nova Scotia. Okay. All right. Uh, now that we're talking about taxes, uh, Alberta prides itself on having the lowest taxes in the country. And we have the uh, flat tax, which many consider an unfair uh, tax for those with low income. Uh, where do you folks stand on the idea of the flat tax? Uh, the NDP party has said, uh, get rid of the flat tax and bring in a progressive tax. Um, I worked in Ottawa from about uh, 2004 until 2012. And I came back to Alberta. And um, I was still working my job in Ottawa. And when I did my income tax that year, uh, I had to pay an extra almost $3,000. The flat tax, if you're making under 125, and I was making way under that, uh, I paid way more than I paid in Ontario. I pay more than I pay in BC. And um, it isn't a fair tax system. If you're making uh, $2 million, you're still paying 10%. And I'm telling you, if you're making $25,000 and you take 10% out of that, have a look at how much of your budget you've got left to pay housing and food and provide schooling for your kids, it's a big chunk of money and it should be fairer 
for everyone in Alberta. Tammy. Can you believe that the NDP and the PCs are actually about to agree on something? Hmm. Because the PC budget includes a gradual movement to a progressive tax system. So Maria, we should almost high five at this point because this might be the only agreement we have. No? Okay. Well, you know, I tried to make a new friend tonight. It didn't work out. <laughs> uh, you know, when uh, the NDP talk about imposing a progressive tax system, I, I find that a bit interesting because they're going to start imposing it. Just hold on one sec. They're going to start imposing it for people that I believe make over $150,000 a year. That's when theirs will start going up. Whereas the progressive one, you start paying more at $100,000 per year. So, uh, you know, if you want to believe in a truly progressive tax system, maybe it should start a little sooner than what the NDP are doing. Okay. Can... Again, on the issue of taxation, uh, I agree with actually both of them that they have moved to a progressive tax system. Um, the uh, PCs have called it a tax on a health uh, pre healthcare premium. All it is is exactly a. It's going into general revenues. That's tax on anybody owning or anybody earning over fifty thousand dollars. That's middle income people. Everybody's tax is going up. They can call it what they want, but it, when it goes into general revenues, it is tax and nothing more. Tammy. Uh, sorry, Kent, but that's actually wrong. I was just talking about straight income tax, which, yes, is going into general revenues. The health care premium is a different tax, and it starts at incomes of $50,000 or more and goes into health care, not into general revenues. Okay. Bill? Well, I just, Bill. I just want to uh, explain again uh, what I talked about earlier. Um, with the Liberals' plan, it'd uh, be at 150,000. It would be this pretty pretty much the same 10%, and those under 50,000 uh, with earnings would actually see a reduction. So, um, the higher you go, you'd, subs you'd end up paying a little bit more. But um, we have a good plan, and I uh, hope you take time to uh, look into it a little further. All right. Thank you uh, for that part, and uh, we have a, now a short. 10-minute break, stretch your legs. Uh, the washrooms are out there. I, <laughs> I don't hold your breath. Um, and uh, we'll reconvene in 10 minutes. There's water at the back for you if you need a drink.